Welcome to the Movie Planet Podcast. This week we're talking about 2004's Troy. With Joe. I like your land. I think we'll stay. I like your soldiers too. And JC. Imagine a king who fights his own battles. Wouldn't that be a sight? I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Hector to my Achilles. Why do, you, why do you get the long, flowing, blonde hair? I, I be, I'm just saying. You're the morally stronger character here. I'm giving who, you that. Who gets slaughtered. Oh, and I'm sorry. Mine gets impaled by a bunch of arrows. That's okay. Well, but still, I may be the moral high center, but every fight I get in, I luckily win if you actually watch how they choreograph the damn things. That's Greek mythology. It's about tragedy. Yeah, whatever. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. <laughs> are the stories about you true? They say your mother is an immortal goddess. Say you can't be killed. I wouldn't be bothering with the shield then, would I? The Thessalonian you're fighting. He's the biggest man I've ever seen. I wouldn't want to fight him. That's why no one will remember your name. This week we are tackling one of Homer's most famous works placed on the big screen, 2004's Troy, directed by Wolfgang Peterson and written by David Benioff, starring Brad Pitt as Brave Achilles. Achilles. Why, Achilles. Do, why do they all have weird Irish, English, Wix accents in this? I, why do everybody in like I know. <laughs> Roman movies have English accents? I know. Brian Cox as Agamemnon, Brendan Gleeson as Menelaus, who you love from Harry Potter. I do. Wasn't he Mad Eye Moody? Yes. <laughs> Eric Bana as Hector, Orlando Bloom as Paris, Diane Kruger. Awesome. She's as Helen of Troy. And she is Helen of Troy. Uh, Sean Bean as Odysseus, Garrett Hedlund as Patroclus, Julie Christie as Thetis, Peter O'Toole as King Priam, Rose Byrne as Briseis, and Tyler Maine. Yes, that Tyler Maine, the same one who played Wolverine's arch rival Sabretooth. I didn't know that. As Ajax. Really? That's yes. Sabretooth. That is Sabretooth. That's cool. Okay, a couple things. Rose Byrne, this is Rose Byrne's biggest movie before this was Star Wars Episode Two, and she was dead in five minutes. Huh. All right. Yeah. Uh, and this was Diane Kruger's. I'm sorry, milady. This is Diane Kruger's first big movie. It, which I didn't know that. I thought National Treasure was, but no, no. this must have been. This put her on the map. There you go. Yeah. She launched a thousand ships in a Nicolas Cage franchise. Huh. Didn't know that either. That's what the National Treasure franchise is. Nicholas oh, Cage. I must have stopped listening because I looked at the sweet. What you looking at pictures of Diane Kruger right now? No, actually, I <laughs> I have a website up because I wanted to to remember some facts about it. But on the side is uh, random weird headlines, and I read one. And I was like, "What the?" And then you asked me a question, <laughs> so I wasn't paying attention because I just read the weird headline on the side. There were two directors that were offered this before Wolfgang. Okay, Terry Gilliam. Okay, was offered the chance to direct the movie, and he read five pages of the script and declined. What a ter- I I know the name, but what's yeah. a movie he did? Uh, Terry Gilliam has done, and we'll fill it in later. Okay, I don't know. I can't think of. I'm in Troy okay. mode right now. Sure. And Christopher Nolan was offered the film. 
Ooh. Yeah. That says something, though, if he said no. Keep in mind, this is 2004. That's true. Yeah. Uh, This movie is based off of the Iliad. Yep. Which means liberties were taken to fit it into a two-hour and 42-minute movie. That's true. Now, keep in mind, the Iliad is a thick book. It takes place over 10 years. You can't fit it all in one. No, you can't. But they also crammed in stuff from other books in there. Yep. There are several differences between the Homer's Iliad and this movie. The 12 Greek gods play a major role in the book. And And they're nowhere to be seen. There's only one, really, that you see, and that's his mom. Yeah. Uh, Some side with the Greeks, some with the Trojans, (laughs) arguing physically, fighting beside their allies. Uh, In the poem, neither Menelaus nor Agamemnon dies. Nope. Achilles' death is foretold, but does not occur in the Iliad. Nope. Uh, And the Trojan War is unresolved. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't lead to the sacking of Troy No A uh, little bit A uh, little piece Ironically Brad Pitt Tore his left Achilles tendon During production I didn't know that That's <laughs> I mean that's sad Because tearing your Achilles Sucks But That's funny Appropriately <laughs> enough He did it <laughs> Another bit One hurricane Tore through the set at night oh, And man. wiped out Brad Pitt's house What? Pitt- Brad Pitt woke up at around 4 a.m., but he was so tired from the night before that he just slept through the hurricane. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's just funny. That is funny. Also surprising that he survived. The Sean Bean. Yeah. Uh, didn't die. Is famous for his death scenes in movies, but is the only high-ranking Greek commander to survive. Yep. <laughs> and probably, this is one of my favorite pieces. The movie was made for $175 million. That's not that much, considering 2004. Considering this, Jurassic Park was $65 million. Oh. Jurassic World was 120 Oh, was it? Never mind. I take that back. It didn't feel like that much for... But this is a... What, how does it compare to other big epic films? Well, that's the thing. How many do we have in the modern age? Uh, well, Gods of Egypt. Uh... Which didn't um, earn its money back. Yeah, and now I'm doing a bunch of ums because I have to think. I yeah. have to look up a list. Okay, well, this movie was made for 175 and was marketed for another $50 million before it hit the theaters. Okay. That means that before the movie hit the theaters, they dumped $225, in this, $225 million into this movie. Yep. Overall, it made $497 million. So not huge profit. It is one of the most expensive films produced in yeah. modern cinema. cinema. Yeah. Which, we, this, is the, this is probably the most expensive movie we've done so far. Yeah. And when you look at it, you sit there going, did where, they build every building? Is that where the money yeah, went? That, hearing that, my first thought was, where the hell did the money go? Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for an Oscar. For Cinematography? Best Achievement in Costume Design. It lost to The Aviator. I was going to say, the costumes weren't that great, actually. It, it lost to The Aviator. Yeah. Uh. And then there's a whole bit here on historians, which I'm sure you're going to get into as we go through yeah, this. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, but it is important to remember: the Iliad is a work of fiction. It, it is. is. It is not a work of history. Nope. Uh, but if, in fact, I look at it in the same way that I look at Abraham Vampire Hunter, Abraham Lincoln oh, Vampire. Such a good movie. In that, yes, there's history in the background. Yeah. It, it's based in a time, but yeah. it's clearly wrong. Yep. Okay. So. You ready for a synopsis? Or do you want to talk about whether you were interested in this movie or not? Well, actually, I, I was going to ask if I could just do, oh, yes. do a quick overall. That way, this doesn't keep, up, keep coming up in our review, because I feel like if we keep covering this stuff, then the review could get long. So a couple things I want to get out of the way. All right. 
So first off, this movie, as we've already stated, is based on fiction. Yes. Histori- uh, historically, there was a Trojan War. We also know there was a Troy, but there were nine of them. There were the, nine cities of Troy. The Trojan War that <clears throat> we think may have been the reason for this epic probably happened with Troy 4 or Troy 5. Mm-hmm. There is archaeological evidence of a war. We have no idea how long the war was fought. We have no idea who won. We don't even know the characters in the war. Right. There's just archaeological evidence of a war <clears throat> at the sites of Troy 4 or Troy 5. I forget which one it is. Uh, second thing, a lot of the main characters, and I think, I don't, I don't know if you just said it, but just sort of through my quick synopsis, mm-hmm. um, are all based on Greek story characters. We don't know if they were actually real-life people, like Achilles. Achilles, historically, is seen as one of the gods. So I think it's kind of interesting that they took the gods out except for one. Achilles was never a god. He was yes. a de- no, he was a demigod. His <laughs> mother was a his mother was a goddess and his father was not. In in terms of historians, they label him as one of the gods. It, well, but, then the historians are wrong because mythologically speaking, he was never. He was half human, half god. Okay, yes, okay, I get what you're saying. My point yeah. is Like Hercules. Yes. Is Hercules a god? Yes, but we also don't know if Hercules was a real person. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yes, he's a so, legend. Thank you. That's a better way of saying it. So Achilles was a legend. Mm -hmm. And so Achilles was put in this movie, but all of the other gods were not. And so that's one thing that I think was kind of wonky. Except for Thetis. Except for Thetis, yes. Um, Menelaus, we don't know if he was a real person. He wasn't. Uh, Agamemnon may have been a real person. We don't know, really. They had that tomb of Agamemnon, and they have the mask of Agamemnon, but we don't know whether or not that's like, you know, oh, here's a Kardashian mask. Exactly. Yeah, we we don't know. (laughs) Um, Paris, uh, Priam, all of those characters, they only show up in the Iliad, so again, Mm -hmm. we don't know if they're real people. So the crux of all of this is this is a movie that I think some people may see as, oh, well, this all actually happened. Here's the only facts. We know that a Trojan War happened. We know that a city of Troy existed. But you kind of, if you want to watch this movie, watch it kind of as if you're going in to watch a movie about Noah's Ark and the Flood. We know factually that a flood happened. We can prove that. Do we know what actually happened on the flood and all of that? No. So if you go into this movie sort of with that, mental uh, capacity, you can rip it apart all you want, but then you're ripping apart of work of fiction, which fiction is fiction, so they can do whatever they want. If they want to have this movie be about why people fight and who's right and respecting authority and all of this stuff and love and all this stuff, that's fine because we don't know what actually happened. And just so, because so, so, I, I zoned out for a second there. I'm yeah, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, had, I had my moments too. Yeah, that's true. But you said a flood happened. Yeah. It was a localized flood. It wasn't like a world flood. Ex- but that yeah. yes. But we that, interpreted it back then as exact, a world flood because that was our world. Because the world was only so big. You are completely correct. And that's what I think this this is right here. It's the, all and, localized perception. And that's that's my bigger point. We cannot make Troy bigger than what it was. Mm-mm. But from that standpoint, there are a couple things that do bug me. <laughs> One, I don't understand why they turned Patroclus into a cousin. Let's just say he was Achilles' lover. Uh, he was his cousin in the book also. Really? Yep. Almost every historian I've ever read, and this is one right here. He's a Greek historian. Achilles, Achilles, uh, I can't speak. Achilles. 
Achilles spars with his lover Patrick Patroclus. For some reason, the film decided to insist that he's his cousin. He's not. He was his lover. All of the artwork shows that he was his lover. Everybody knows that he was his lover. That's what the Greeks did. They loved each other as men. So yeah. this is and in the book it, it says he's the cousin and a lover because they didn't care back then. No, they didn't. Yeah. So anyway, bigger point, like, yeah. So so that was a problem, and the other big problem that uh, I sort of saw, and it's kind of funny because I read about this later, but I saw it myself. The outfits that they wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look very, very Roman from 280 A.D. Yeah. So it's not exactly accurate. There the Spartans either. don't look like Spartans. No, they don't <laughs> look like Spartans. And uh, this would have been the height of, like, that type yeah. of thought and everything. Uh, so just the look of the people and the look of the actors, not entirely accurate. Um, and the last thing that's really glaring to me, llamas. <laughs> they had llamas running around throughout <laughs> the one scene when the ships first roll up and the bells are dinging and everybody's panicking and they're trying to yeah. there's this beautiful screenshot of two llamas running away and I'm like that's Peru those llamas swam across <laughs> the Atlantic to get to Troy Hey, actually hey. they swam across the Atlantic and the Mediterranean yeah. and the Aegean mm-hmm. to get to Troy so that was uh, so anyway, take those all out. Now we can just look at it as a movie based on fiction. Yes, uh, and and interesting thing you said that is that overall, uh, when you look at this movie, they took out all the god stuff, all the mythology in it for the most part to make it seem more historical. See, I think that if you want my honest personal opinion, I yeah. think this movie would have been so much better if they'd have kept the the the. God's in. And I, I don't think it would have, and the reason why is because we saw what happened when they redid uh, Wrath of the Titans, or Curse, uh, uh, oh, Clash of the that. Titans. I loved Clash of the Titans See, and Wrath and of the Titans. I, I, I thought those were great movies. I didn't like them. Oh, well, uh, I did. I, I don't think you can do a Greek god movie any realism. The closest I've seen is, what was the Percy Jackson series? Yeah. And that fizzled. It did, but it fizzled because they went away from the books. That's that's my issue with that. Right. But I would almost argue that Clash of the Titans and Wrath of the Titans are very good attempts to make a realistic quote-unquote movie with the gods. I, I thought they were good movies. Yeah. So were you excited about this movie? I, I am, but the problem is, is I, and I thought, I'm like, people are going to want me to go in and bash this historically, and I'm not going to. Like, I like this movie. It's a good movie because I watch it as an epic film. Okay. Like, I sort of hearken it into those reigns of the Ten Commandments and Cleopatra. And unfortunately, Cleopatra was a little bit more historical. But, boy, yeah, that movie was (laughs) horrible in terms of historical accuracy. Yeah. But it's an entertaining movie. It is considered a great movie. And Sometimes movies are just fun to watch. And but I wouldn't even call this a shitty movie. Mm. It's only shitty if you try to pick it apart historically. But you're picking apart something that we don't know anything about. Yeah. Factually. So what's the point? Yeah. Now just from an entertainment perspective, I like the characters. Mm-hmm. I like the overall story. Like I'm I'm I want to know what's going to happen next. And when I watch this, I apparently haven't seen it for a while, but I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen, but I just love the interaction between these two, and I love this, and I love that, and I like what they're doing with Achilles and all of this stuff, and 
he's this great fighter, but he he still has his soft moments. And the scene with Priam and Achilles is one of my favorite scenes awesome. of the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. it's and uh, Homer. I was about to say Hector as as uh, a character is fantastic. Uh, Agamemnon's an asshole, but he needs to be an asshole to tell the story that you're trying to like. The story Wolfgang is trying to tell to me is an entertaining story. If you go in without trying to say, "Oh, well, that didn't really happen. That didn't really happen," you it's hard to not be entertained. Yeah, and that's why. Yeah, I I very much was looking forward to watching this movie. Uh, okay, here we go. Ready for synopsis? For, oh, for me? Yes. So this, what, mo- this movie came out at the exact same time I was taking a uh, literature course, and we were studying. <laughs> The Iliad. The Iliad. There you go. And I was like, oh, I've heard about this book a thousand times. And so I was like, oh, read it and everything. And I just fell in love with this book. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so good. Because I had this dynamic teacher that was like, yeah, you see, it all starts at this point right here. And you've got this character who's very prideful. And he wants to just be remembered. And he's going to sacrifice. That's Odysseus, right? No, that's Achilles. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. And, you know, and every single action that somebody takes ends up being the wrong action. No okay. matter what. It's always the wrong thing, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And in the end, nobody wins. Yeah. Uh, and so I was kind of like, well, this is an interesting book. So I started reading. I was like, oh, because I, at the time, I had been through this, like, 10-year uh, drought of Greek mythology because I was big into it when I was a kid. Okay. And so when I started getting this, like, okay, this is like adult mythology now. See, I, the adult I, didn't, stories. I didn't get into Greek mythology at all until I read Rick Riordan's series. Uh, and th- that's honestly <laughs> when I started getting into Greek mythology. Yeah. So for me, when I, when I, when I you know, I probably read the Iliad maybe <laughs> once every couple of years. Really? Yeah. Huh. I just, it's, it's, it's a fave of mine. Good. Uh, and it's got a lot of lessons in it. Which I'd want to pass on to my children. There you go. I like it. Like, if, if I'm going to name you Paris, you better butch up a little bit. Yeah, really. <laughs> Pansy. Okay, you ready for a synopsis? Yeah, let's go. Okay, the story takes place in the fertile. Fer- I love that word, fertile. Fertile. Eastern lands bordered by the Mediterranean Sea and kept by the gods. Within the cradle of ancient civilization, empires are built, wars fought, alliances forged, and heroes born. <laughs> <laughs> JC giggles and coughs. Yep. Agamemnon, played by Brian Cox, king of Mycenae, thank you, has united most of Greece's kingdoms under his rule and now advances his army upon the nation of Thessaly, hoping to include it in his collection of ever-growing conquests. He's trying to unite Greece. He, okay, he is, but he's doing it yeah, in, in a, a, you know, the wrong yeah. intentions here. Yep. Uh, in fact, he's doing the Bond villain. He, yeah. I want the world. Yep. Uh, king Troyopas, or Troyopas. Tri- thank you. Bargains with Agamemnon to each let one of their best fighters decide who wins the battle rather than engaging in open war. (laughs) Triopus calls upon the giant Boagrius! Played by Nathan Jones, while Agamemnon calls to Achilles, Achilles! (laughs) But he's not there. In only the way that Brian Cox can. And what's Achilles doing? He's asleep with some naked women. Yep. (laughs) Already I love Achilles. I do too because he's also (laughs) saying an F you to people in power that are Holes. This and you guy can already does not tell. Give a fuck. You can tell that Menelaus <laughs> is an asshole, and Achilles is pretty much saying, "Yeah, fuck you." And everything you, from the get-go, you already see this movie's about Achilles versus Agamemnon. Yep. And everything he's going to do is be like, "Listen, I know I'm the best, so fuck you." And, you it, and I don't need you. You need me more than I need you. And yeah, we're getting ahead, but when he starts shouting about, "I will sc- carve Agamemnon on everything, and no one will know Achilles." <laughs> 
Yeah, everybody knows who Achilles is. Nobody has a fucking clue who Agamemnon nope. is. So <laughs> Agamemnon sends a messenger boy to you know, fetch Achilles, wakes yep. him up from his slumber with two ladies. I was having a great dream. <laughs> a really good dream. I will talk to your king in the morning. <laughs> so who is Achilles? He's a half-god, and he's blessed with incomparable strength and skill. Achilles lives to fight, but he refuses to associate with Agamemnon, preferring instead to seek his own destiny and be immortalized in history. Achilles easily defeats Boagrius, sealing Agamemnon's control over the nation and calls out if there's anyone else worthy enough to fight him. Is there no one else? <laughs> Which <laughs> Is there no one else? Agamemnon then says, of all the warlords, the gods love, Achilles is the one I hate the most. Yep. <laughs> yep. Now, speaking of stupid decisions, uh-oh. Prince Hector and Paris, yeah, <laughs> are uh, of Troy feast in the banquet hall of King Menelaus of Try- Sparta. Trying to end a war between Troy and Sparta that's been going on for decades, maybe centuries even. Yes. And they're honored guests and peace ambassadors to their home nation. However, young Paris has been having a, having a tryst. He's got a crush. Oh, so sweet. On Menelaus' beautiful wife, Helen, whom he loves dearly. He convinces her to come back with him to Troy, stowing her away on his brother's ship. Now, again, this is Greek mythology. Everything's in poetic form. You don't have the background knowledge of certain things, but how in hell is she going to get on the boat without them seeing her? Yeah, it's... <laughs> well, they don't. A fisherman sees her. Oh, that's right. Yeah, fisherman Caesar. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, you're... My bad. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he convinces her to come back with him to Troy, stowing her on the brother's ship. When Hector finds out, he's clearly angry, but it's too late to return to Sparta with Helen and seek pardon, because if you've pissed off the Spartans, you don't go back. That's the... Yeah, the, he's like, turn around, I'm like, even I know they will kill you as soon as you set foot. Yeah, I've seen 300. <clears throat> <laughs> Finding Helen gone, Menelaus goes bananas, vows revenge on Troy, and seeks the approval of his brother Agamemnon, who is only too happy to oblige because Agamemnon wants Troy. Yep. Now we have another person, Odysseus. Odysseus? From the book The Odyssey. Yep. Odysseus, played by the great Sean Bean of any Middle Earth tale. Yeah, really. And Game of Thrones. Or epic. If there's a sword involved, Sean Bean is there. Yeah, probably. He's the king of Ithaca, not the university. No. <laughs> and under command of Agamemnon. So he goes to convince Achilles to accompany them in the conquest of Troy. He finds him sparring with his young cousin, Pat- Patroclus, played by a young Garrett Headland. I don't Who's Garrett Headland? I believe he was the kid who played Johnny Utah in the New Point Break. Oh, okay. I yeah. believe that was him. Don't quote okay, me on this. I don't know. Oh, no, that was Luke Bracey. I don't know who the hell Garrett Headland is. Yeah, I don't know either. I know the name. And Patroclus is more than eager to join in the fighting. But Achilles is like, screw you, you're not going anywhere. And I'm not going to go fight for Agamemnon. Yeah. And Odysseus starts to play to his pride, saying, hey, you know, this war is going to go down in history, buddy. Yeah. You know, th- this, this, is your, this is your game. If you want to be remembered for the ages, they will be talking about this war for thousands of years. So Achilles is going back and forth on this thing, and he goes walking down this cliff, and he sees in the water this beautiful woman, his mother. Yeah. Thetis played by Julie Christie, and she's gathering shells to make a new necklace because, you know... That's what moms do. Moms moms care. Yeah. She tells him that if he chooses to stay at home, he will find a wife, raise a family, die old and loved. If he goes to Troy, he will find his eternal glory. And be remembered for forever. But he's going to die when he's there. Yep. 
but it'll be his end. It'll be his doom. So this, and if you read the book, if you read the poem, this was the uh, the the gods basically playing against. This was the beginning of them playing against each other. Okay, because she essentially tries to find a way to get Achilles on their side to sack Troy. Okay. And in doing so, she goes, well, I'm going to play to his pride. Oh, okay. And so that's where it goes. Because, you know, all these characters, they have, they have these flaws. flaws. And Achilles is pride. Yeah. So meanwhile, Hector and Paris return to Troy with Helen, greeted warmly by their fellow Trojans. The city is guarded by a high, thick wall that has remained impenetrable since its founding. I wonder if they could have put that Indominus Rex in there. Probably. Or what was the one for Jurassic World that they just used steel on and they couldn't do anything? The Indominus Rex. No, Jurassic 3, I'm sorry. Oh, Spinosaurus. Spinosaurus, yeah. Yep. Spinosaurus could have gotten through that, right? Yeah, easily. Yeah. Uh, they meet their father, King Priam, played by Peter O'Toole, who welcomes Helen and praises her beauty. Hector is reunited with his wife, Adramash. Adramache? Adramache? Uh, I don't know. Played by Saffron Burroughs and his infant son. Now, what did you think of the scene when you first saw Troy? Because I'd never seen Troy up until this point visualized. I mean, it looks beautiful. Yeah. They, again, may have made it grander than what it actually was. Probably. We don't, we don't know. No, but you're I probably mean, right. But it looked great. What? But that scene, that whole scene, mm -hmm. to me, was Egypt from the Ten Commandments. And for me, the, I saw it as an early Rome. The The first time you see Egypt, when, when uh, Moses comes into uh, Egypt after becoming the shepherd and everything, mm -hmm. that grand shot of him walking in the entire empire. That's what I saw when you first saw Troy. And we've seen that time of we've we've seen that type of visual before, like in Gladiator. When he comes into Rome for the first time, you see the grandness of Rome. Yep, yeah. I agree. It, it's it's something that is a shot. It, it's like it's a standard in epic movies. You have yeah. to have that one shot right there. Where you just, oh wow, this is beautiful and epic. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I saw this and I was like, wow, Troy looks really, really good for what it, it, it wasn't what I pictured in my head. Nope. Achilles decides to join Agamemnon's campaign against Troy, but brings his own warriors, the Myrmidons or Myrmidons. Myrmidons. Is it Myrmidons? Myrmidons. Led by yeah. Eudorus by Vincent Reagan. Patroclus accompanies them as well, even though he's told not to. Yeah. He, he's going to come along anyway. Yep. This reminds me of a little girl in Jurassic Park 2. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> She's not little anymore. All right, fair enough. The Myrmidons prove to be faster rowers than the Greeks and arrive on the shores of Troy before anyone else. Oh, Achilles tell Patroclus to stay and watch the ship. They take As the arrows are pouring down on it, you're more likely to die at the ship than if you would actually fight with a shield and defend yourself. And what's funny... So yeah, that one was funny. I love watching the reaction of Agamemnon as he's seeing the boat go on the shore. He goes... Achilles is going to attack Troy with just 50 men. Yeah, that's that's actually the one time I'm like, okay, Agamemnon kind of made a point there. And they're successful. Yeah. I mean, these are some bad... Th these people make the Spartans look bad. Well, hold on. They capture it. It looks badass, but when you actually watch it a couple times, mm -hmm. that he had 50 men. A lot died. That opening shot where they <laughs> land, I'm pretty sure I counted like 17 or 18 killed. Unless they had the same guy die over and over in the same shot, which <laughs> also kind of looked like that happened too. Yeah. But my point is, so it was he, Normandy. So he actually took the beach with like seventeen guys, twenty guys, maybe. It was Normandy. So all the more impressive that he took it with that few people. Yeah. 
but also a little unbelievable. It introduces a, a pet peeve of mine that we'll talk about. Ooh. It's, a, it's amazing how in these great, grandiose, historic battles, whenever the heroes are fighting, there's this perfect circle around them where nobody else bumps into them or accidentally hits them and all this stuff. But Hector and Ajax are allowed to just fight. Uh, you mean like in Batman and Bane? Yeah, but he's not fighting other people. They're fighting each other to get to each other in Batman, uh, Dark, Knight, Dark Knight Rises. So is it a movie thing, or is that just what happens? Like when a prince and the other prince fight, everybody else is just going to make a circle, not keep fighting each other, because there were still Myrmidons and Trojans. Oh, did they circle around them? Yeah. And watch them like a, like a dance party? That's what it kind of felt like. I'm like... I got a feeling that would happen at the time, because you have be, two high-ranking There should be people. fighting... Uh, to me, that just struck me as like... Okay, everyone would still be fighting. It's not like everybody would stop to just watch these two. Because wasn't it wasn't it like a war rule? I don't know. You might know this that uh, that soldiers were not allowed to kill high ranking officers. Okay, was it a war rule? Something like no. an unspoken. Yes, was rule? it considered uh, honorable? Yes, you didn't kill commanders and yeah. things like that because who would lead the men? Yes, that was very much the case in ancient times. Yeah. Uh, and even up through until the Americans start killing British officers, and Britain is all upset, like, nobody fights like this. Well, Americans do. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Okay, they take the beach with ease and sack the Temple of Apollo, where priestess and cousin of Hector in Paris, Briseis, played by Rose Byrne, hot, is taken captive. <laughs> in a defiant move, Achilles decapitates the statue of Apollo. With essentially, one- essentially challenging him to see, and yeah, that bronze sword <laughs> went through a brass statue gold is it gold a gold statue <laughs> now granted gold is a very soft metal i get it but still i'm like well huh. again achilles is a demigod yep there you, you know, go this is the mythology this is not the historical this is the mythology it was still a cool about. shot it's an amazing because because the, then he's like tossing like are you gonna kill me are you gonna kill me yep, yeah you didn't kill me achilles is constantly challenging the gods to show up yep and they don't nope uh, Which is a great contrast to Priam constantly expecting the gods to save his city. Apollo will save us. Yeah. And he- when Hector's like, how many legions does po- or battalions does Apollo have? That's a great line. Yeah. And then Hector shows up with his Greeks. They run to the temple. Achilles confronts him but refuses to fight him. Yeah. Like that whole time I'm like, he should die. He should be dying. But I guess it's this honor thing of, mm. and then there's the quote, it's too young in the day for killing princes and all this stuff. Yeah. You would have demoralized your enemy. Like, I don't know. That's that's where I'm sort of like the strategist, but this is a good story, and they need to tell the story, so that's why I, I'm okay with it. But Achilles also is under the assumption that, listen, if you're going to die, you're going to do it with an audience so people know who I am. That's true. That's also true. Yep. And again, yeah, I remember everything that Achilles does is for, is for his pride. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> Briseis is brought to Achilles' as hut as his prize. It's a nice little prize to have. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's but, a, little, a little misogynistic back then, but hey, we can do it. Well, but that's also it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting how, as she's berating him for killing the priests of Apollo uh, before he is summoned to see Agamemnon, uh, instantly he seems to care about this girl. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, wow. So, well, you were with pretty girls before, but maybe he's just really nice to all pretty girls and he's not a jerk. And that's the thing. This movie is kind of funny because you see this arc of Achilles that happens way too quick near the end. Yeah. And that all of a sudden he starts to feel for other people. Yes. And and he, there, but there's let, no, there's no real c- reason why outside the fact that he's lost his closest person. And then and, and that's Patroclus, yeah. yeah. But he's already dealt with that with the anger when he goes after Hector. And kills Hector. So yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's interesting how, wow, this horrible warlord is suddenly softened. And so when Agamemnon is like, 
silenced Mighty's Achilles. Like, I'm also like, yeah, like, it's interesting how that's all it took to calm him down. But anyway, moving on. Yeah. She berates him for killing Priest of Apollo before he is summoned to see Agamemnon, who's preparing to celebrate the victory. Their tensions rise as Achilles and the king argue over claims to the victory. Agamemnon goes further by bringing in Briseis, claiming her as his own spoil of war, which drives Achilles into a rage. He threatens to fight for her, but she angrily interjects, saying that no one else will die for her. Achilles stays his blade to the surprise of Agamemnon. Achilles vows that Agamemnon will one day fall under his sword. Again, great scene cinematically, great scene for storytelling. Yep. Like, it, did it actually happen? Probably not. But it's a good scene for, for just moving the plot along that they're trying to tell. Yeah. Now, let's keep in mind, this all started because Paris had a crush. Yep. <laughs> and, and everybody else's little side stories are sort of starting to come to light, which is what makes this epic. I mean, if you think about this, if Paris hadn't taken her, you would have had Troy and Sparta together, and they would have been able to defeat Agamemnon. Well, no, because Sparta would have never gone after Agamemnon because Sparta's Greek and Agamemnon was Greek. But what I'm saying is that with Agamemnon's idea of taking over. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You know? That's true. Okay. That night, Priam seeks the advice of his advisors and elders with his sons in attendance, discussing how best to defend against the Greeks. Paris offers an alternative to bloodshed. He will fight Menelaus for Helen's hand. Ugh. Oh, this little pussy. I can't do anything. I mean, it is interesting contrast because uh, Orlando Bloom played a badass in uh, Lord of the Rings beforehand. Mm -hmm. And then he plays a weak uh, sort of underling Paris really well. Like, I had to give Orlando Bloom kind of chops because he looks terrified. He acts well as a meek weak warrior. Yeah. Whereas before he acted as the big badass. So I just thought that was an interesting contract. Was this before or after Lord of the Rings? After Lord of the Rings. Orlando Bloom's first job was Lord of the Rings. That's right. I remember because yeah. now, now I'm thinking, I remember seeing this and going, oh, he's got another bow and arrow. Yep. The winner will take ho take her home and the loser will burn before nightfall. Later, Priam speaks with Paris in a courtyard and admits that in all the wars he's fought for power or land, a war fought for love. Aww. It makes more sense. There's your Greek tragedy love right there. There you go. He gives Paris the sword of Troy. Doesn't look that great. Anyway. it's hey, They're trying to make it accurate, okay? It's yeah. never going to look great. The Holy Grail probably looked like just a little tiny cup with that's, some you know, smishes on it. Forged at its founding and containing the history of their nation. He explains that as long as a Trojan wields it, there is hope for their people. Mm -hmm. Hector goes to see his wife and son. She fears for his life and can't imagine living on without him. Well, can any wife really imagine living on without her husband? Anyway, <laughs> he comforts her before getting up to see his brother. In the halls, he sees a cloaked figure and gives pursuit to see that it's... Or he comes to find out... <laughs> That it's Helen trying to leave the city. She is remorseful for being the sole reason so many Trojan men died that day. But Hector tells her that re returning to Menelaus would not end the war and that she is now a princess of Troy. Helen returns to Paris. Aww. Oh, are you happy? Uh, well, you got ourselves a little Romeo and Juliet now. We do have a little bit of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Hector's also come a long way, too. Like, within a couple of days, he went from wanting to send her back to, well, now you're a princess of Troy, and I'm going to die to defend you. Well, I think it's also, they were like, we have to turn this boat around now. It's too late. Yeah. And Hector understands that he is Politics. covered for his brother yeah. way too much. And now, this is the position that they're in. And he's got to take responsibility for his actions. Yeah, he's basically taking on everybody's problems right now to try to fix it. I agree. 
The next day, Agamemnon's army marches for uh, marches on Troy while Achilles, still seething over his loss of Perseus and angry at Agamemnon, watches from a nearby hill with his men. Hector and Paris ride out to meet Agamemnon and Menelaus before the battle. Agamemnon demands that the Trojans return Helen to his brother and submit to his rule. Hector bravely rebuffs, but Paris offers to fight Menelaus one-on-one hoping that we'll settle the dispute. <laughs> While Agamemnon could care less about returning Helen because he really only wants Troy, his, he does allow his brother the opportunity to issue revenge. This is a pretty cool scene where they're talking to each other, like, yeah. just let me kill the guy and then we can take the city. And the sad thing <laughs> is, that probably is pretty accurate for how a lot of these things probably started. Oh, it's yeah. just these two men arguing. It, it leads me to the quote that I love from Odysseus, and that's the other thing I love about this movie. There are great one-line quotes. Oh, yes. And I've actually used it in teaching about war and stuff and it's when Odysseus says war is young men dying and old men talking yep and it's just so true the two begin their fight and Menelaus is clearly stronger Paris is wounded and disarmed but before Menelaus can deliver a death blow he slides and slinkers away crawling back to his brother stunned at yeah really was <laughs> stunned at his cowardice Menelaus demands the fight to continue but Hector defends his brother and drives a sword through Menelaus, killing him. In rage, Agamemnon charges forward with his army. So let's just be clear on how this has turned out. Paris took Menelaus' wife. Yes. Okay. Uh, so Menelaus is going to get Agamemnon and his army to go over there. Yep. Uh, Menelaus attacks Paris. Paris injures runs him. away. Paris slinks away. Hector Kills Menelaus to defend his brother. To defend he's a, his brother, he's about to kill his brother, and he defends his brother. We're, so. climb, we're climbing the ladder of plot now. Yep. And now Hector's the bad guy. So now Agamemnon's going to revenge for his brother. Yep. At Hector. Yep. Which means in order to do that, because Agamemnon doesn't like to fight his own wars, he's going to grab Achilles. Yep. And Achilles has to kill Hector. But Achilles doesn't yet. He nope. says no. Yep. He needs something personal to get involved. Yep. And it's going to come soon. Yes, it will. <laughs> Watching from his hilltop, Achilles can't help but curse under his breath at Agamemnon's inability to keep his ranks in formation and away from the walls and the archers. Hector proves to be the more able warrior and overpowers the Greeks with his tactics. Yes. One of the strongest Greek warriors, Ajax, played by Tyler Maine, is felled by Hector. And now, what is actually one of the coolest fights, because when you watch Eric Bana's face, yeah. it's genuine terror. He's like, shit. Oh. How, and it's when, of, when the hammer goes to the shield. <laughs> oh, yes. That's such a great <laughs> shot. And it harkens back to what he said to, to Paris before he fights. You worry about your sword and his sword and nothing else. And you can very much tell in that fight with Ajax that Hector is worried about, okay, here's a shield, I'll use it. Here's a, like, he's just trying to stay alive. Yeah. He is not, he is clearly not as skilled as Achilles, but he knows how to survive. He if knows this, how to stay alive. If this movie was a full three hours long, you would have got a lot more backstory on Ajax, who was one of Achilles' top commanders. Yeah. And so that's another thing that he's watching this. He's worried about Ajax. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Odysseus advises Agamemnon to fall back before he loses his entire army, to which he says, we never retreat. And then he says, well, you won't have an army then. And the Greeks retreat to the beach where their archers provide defense for themselves. And this is what I like. I like the fact that they give Hector time to show that he is the equal to Achilles. <gasps> Yeah. He is the equal. Well, they need to in order to have that fight mean anything. And that's the thing. When you when we'll get to that fight in a second, but the only way to make it unequal is to have an outside idea happen, and that is the stone. 
Oh. The stone that is placed there that limp that that Hector trips over. Yeah. Because that stone is placed there by the gods. Oh, really? To to turn the tables. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Is that from the book? Because I the book. it didn't say it in the movie. Yeah, it's from the book. Uh, okay. Because if you cool. remember, Achilles thing goes, I will not have a stone take my glory. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Get up, king of or prince of uh Troy. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Uh, with Menelaus dead, the main reason for the assault on Troy is gone, and Agamemnon struggles to think of a way to rally the troops to his cause. Odysseus suggests that Agamemnon put his reservations aside and enlist Achilles to fight again. Outside, Briseis is tossed around between Greek soldiers, having been given to them by Agamemnon. Before she can be cruelly branded, Achilles steps in and takes her back to his hut. He gives her a wet cloth to clean yeah. and, and some food. When she questions, <laughs> it's baby making time. <laughs> when she questions why he fights and defies the gods, he shows her a more reflective side to his nature and explains that the gods are jealous of men for their short mortal lives. As su- such, everything is more beautiful when you are it's short and you can appreciate it. Probably that, th- and this is the moment where you say he is going to die now. Yep, because he's gone against the gods, and anybody who goes against the gods in any piece of literature in Greek mythology is going to pay the price. Yep. But he has a point yeah. in that Greek mythology is chock full of gods who are all flawed. And yeah. they do look upon the the uh, mortals as... With jealousy. J- with jealousy, yeah. Yep. So he's speaking the truth that nobody wants to hear in this time right now. Yep. I, I love the conversations. When Odysseus speaks, listen. When Achilles speaks, listen. It's amazing how in this movie there are genuine lessons to learn from these people just talking. Yeah. Like, listen to what they're saying about war, about life, about power, about love. Like, even Priam, the ridiculous nature, like, he, he's a religious fanatic. And listen to how he talks about religious fanaticism and all of that stuff. Yeah. But then when he talks about love, like, those are such true words. And Peter O'Toole's great, so that's also why. Yeah. Speaking of Peter O'Toole, uh, Priam consults with his advisors again while Paris laments over his cowardice. Helen assures him that though Menelaus was a strong warrior, she hated her life with him. She'd rather have someone to love and grow old with than to see him die on the battlefield. Because she was given to him when she was 16. Didn't she say, I I was sent there? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, in the book, didn't she choose Menelaus? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hector advises his father that the Greeks underestimated Trojan strength and that they should do the same. However, General Glaucus wants to strike preemptively and high priest... Archipotolemus, I think. Archipotolemus. Archipotolemus. Claims Troy is favored by the gods, citing bird omens. Gotta love those <laughs> birds as you flip one to yeah. Archipotolemus. Uh, despite Hector's warnings to keep behind their walls, Priam favors his advisors and issues an attack before daybreak. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. So this was an interesting thing because it showed... The other the, characters' flaws. I mean, we've been talking yep. about all characters are flawed. It showed the other characters' flaws, but it also showed that there is a progression in their religion that some are holding on to the old and not looking at the new. Yes. And the realists in there are the ones that are saying, look, you're, you're citing birds. Yes. You, you need to stop now. It's time to get real about this. And they're like, no, yeah. Apollo will save us. And he, has, he had his head chopped off in front of his temple. He ain't coming. Nope. Uh, but... This is where the director and the writing staff gets dangerous because you can't do this and then eliminate all of the gods from the story. That's and that's one of my biggest pet peeves 
is they shouldn't have taken the gods out of this story. It, they be- when you see something like that happen, then you have an answer by the gods at that point. Yeah. And the fact that they're not answering, they're basically saying that we're taking away 75% of the book. Yeah. I agree. So, As Achilles sleeps that night before the surprise attack, Briseis takes a dagger and holds it to his throat. Without opening his eyes, he encourages her to kill him. But she hesitates. They realize their feelings for each other and make love. That's like the worst porn movie ever. Achilles, the music, by the way. Achilles decides that he's had enough of war and offers to take Briseis away from Troy. Just do it. Man, I can't even read that so distracting. My pony. (laughs) I worry about you, dude. I genuinely How many worry. times have you sang while I was reading? No, I, I understand. <laughs> but my singing was actually funny. That was just disturbing, dude. <laughs> so Achilles decides that he's had enough of war. Achilles decides he's had enough of war because of this one girl. It's, offer- Rose, it's Roseburn. That's true. He offers to take Perseus away from Troy. Afterwards, he speaks with Eudorus and tells him that they will go home. Hearing this, Patroclus is devastated, uh, having hoped to take part in battle. Achilles, meanwhile, returns to his hut. So Achilles is like, okay, we're out of here. I've got no reason to fight for Agamemnon. I have no reason to be here. I found something. Let's go. Yeah, let's, let's hit the bricks. Just as dawn approaches, the Trojan army led by Hector set up on the dunes and sent hundreds of lit arrows into the sand. Such a cool scene. The Greeks awake in time to see large balls of hay being rolled down the hill towards the camp, ignited in huge fireballs by the torched arrows. Banging their shields to intimidate, the Trojans advance towards the Greek camp. Suddenly, Achilles appears in his armor and rallies the troops to fight. Achilles fights his way towards Hector and the two engage in combat. Greeks and Trojans alike surround them, edging them on until Hector slits Achilles' throat with a swift thrust of the sword. Achilles falls, gasping for breath, while the Myrmidons look on in horror. But when Hector removes his helmet, he discovers that the man he wounded is not Achilles. It's Patroclus. Mm-hmm. Hector, repentant but resolute, drives his sword into the boy's chest to finish him so he doesn't die slowly. He addresses Odysseus and tells him they fought enough that day before leaving. Odysseus tells Hector that Patroclus was Achilles' cousin. Now, funny thing about this scene is that throughout the fight, it is Brad Pitt fighting. Yeah. It is Brad Pitt fighting. And the reason why is because the gods have changed the image of Patroclus to look just like Achilles. Until really? the very end. That's what happens in there. Yeah. So they take Patroclus. They change his image to look like Achilles. He w- puts on Achilles' armor on top of it, but you can clearly see, oh, that's Achilles. Yeah. And then when he's killed, the spell wears off, and he's Patroclus. Oh, that sucks. Poor Hector. But that's the gods that's playing the gods with the toys. Mess- yeah, messing with them. Yep. Uh, there's a great little thing I'm going to mention later on when Hector and Achilles are fighting. that has to do with... Brad Pitt and Eric Bana. Oh, really? It's really good, yeah. Okay. But keep going. The Myrmidons return to camp as Achilles emerges from his tent. Seeing them battle-worn, he asks why they disobeyed him. Eudorus laments that Patroclus disguised himself in Achilles' armor, even moved like him, and fell under Hector. Achilles is outraged and attacks Eudorus. Perseus tries to stop him, but he throws her to the ground. Oh, he Anakin Skywalker's her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Throws her. (laughs) Yeah. Hector returns to his wife. He admits that he killed a boy who was much too young and feels that his actions will have severe repercussions. He shows his wife a hidden passage under Troy and that she can take civilians through to get to the mountains And she, should he die, and the walls will be breached. Though she is upset to have to consider this, she heeds his advice and prepares. Yeah. 
Achilles puts his cousin on a funeral pyre and sets it alight. Agamemnon watches and says, that boy may have just saved the war for us. Great line. It is a great line. So good. (laughs) Knowing that the rage of Achilles will not wane until he's had revenge. Meanwhile, Helen watches as Paris practices his archery in preparation for battle, hitting his target time and time again. That's also a good scene. You've seen him be a coward, but then to see, okay, I'm not so great with a sword, but I'll hit you with a bow. Okay, but at the time, in Homer's time, archers were looked down upon because they did not fight their opponent on equal terms. Paris, the weakest and least brave, is an experienced archer and kills Achilles with his arrows. Achilles, the best fighter of all, was never beaten in an open duel. Yeah. Okay. So that's why. I mean, it goes with his personality of being this coward and that he's going to fight from a distance. Yep. That makes sense. The following morning, Achilles sets off to enact vengeance upon Hector. Briseis begs him not to go, but he ignores her. He rides to the gates of Troy and calls for Hector, who dresses in his armor and says goodbye to his wife. Great scene. Watching him prepare. Mm -hmm. uh, Brad Pitt screaming. It's oh, it's such just a good bo- scene. just yeah. both of them getting ready. Yeah, it's, something's it's a, gonna go down it's a, now. It's a powerful scene. It's great. He rides. Uh, he meets Achilles outside alone. Achilles throws down his hem- helmet so that Hector can see his face. <sighs> now you'll know. It's now you'll know who you're fighting. I'm getting goosebumps Su- thinking about it right now. Such a dig. <laughs> Though Hector tries to reason, Achilles is bent on bloodlust. Mm-hmm. As they begin to fight, Priam and Paris watch while Helen comforts Adramash, who can't uh, who can't bring herself to look. Achilles overpowers Hector by driving a spear into his chest before finishing him with his sword. He then ties Hector's legs together behind his chariot and drags him away. Back to the beach, when he returns to his hut, Perseus cries out and asks when the killing will stop. Before she leaves. Can we talk about this? Yes. All right. Uh, they are equal all the way through this fight until the stone gets involved. They when are. He trips they over are that stone. Equal, yeah. And Brad Pitt says, or when Achilles says, I will not have a phone, take my glory. A phone? A phone. Did I say phone? You did. I will not have a stone, take away my glory, or a rock, yep. or whatever it was. I, and that rock is placed by the gods okay. uh, in the book. Uh, it is interesting that it takes one little thing like this to turn the tables. Yeah. And when you think about it, it is a metaphor for the entire movie because one little thing starts this whole thing. Set this whole thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt and Eric Bana did not use stunt doubles for their epic duel. They made a gentleman's agreement to pay for every accidental hit. $50 for each light blow and $100 for each hard blow. Pitt ended up paying Bana $750, and Bana didn't owe Pitt a thing. Wow. (laughs) Could you imagine, like, okay, let's just make some bets right now. And these are metal swords. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Achilles Hector fight is ranked number fifty in the greatest movie rivalries in whole film. It's it's a good fight. It is. It's the, it's, it's the peak well, of the movie. It's well choreographed. It's I don't see how you pull this fight apart. It's a good fight. And you know what? I was I was kind of like, oh, it's a good sight a fight until Achilles does this one move with a shield where he flips his spear around his neck and then has a shield in front of him and it's going behind his neck and he's kind of poking like a scorpion almost. And I was like damn, that is some choreography that they've got going on now. And it yeah. makes sense. that This is how a, a great fighter would fight. He's using so many different tactics to yeah. try to take down Hector. And none of them are working. And it, again, it takes a stone for Achilles to get what he wants. Yeah. So again, the gods are intervening for Achilles to be a winner. Yep. That, in, oh, sorry. I was going to say, in the original story, Achilles does indeed, he, he lashes Hector's corpse up. Okay. But he also takes the corpse behind his chariot and rides around Troy three times. 
before leaving to show off the body. Yeah. And he doesn't do this in the movie. And I was like, oh, you could have done something great there. Because yeah, that that's, that's what brings Priam to go back. Yeah. Uh, so that night, uh, Achilles is visited by a stranger in a cloak. The stranger kisses Achilles' hand before revealing himself as none other than King Priam Obi-Wan of Troy. Kenobi. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Have, having stealthily entered the Greek camp unnoticed, Priam begs for his son's body back to be given a proper burial. He tells Achilles, great, such a powerful scene. It is. And you wonder why Peter O'Toole is a great actor. Um, he tells Achilles that while Hector killed his cousin, he did not know who it was, and he asks Achilles how many cousins and brothers he's killed in his time. Despite being enemies, he asks for respect. Achilles relents. He weeps over Hector's body, promising to meet him in the next life, before giving him to Priam. When Briseis comes forward, Achilles allows her to go home and apologizes for hurting her. He gives Priam his word that the Greeks will not attack Troy for 12 days to allot for proper mourning. All right, you're pulling the book out, so what are you going to tell me? Oh, I was going to say, this right here, the ending, the, the, uh, the ending of Hector mm-hmm. is the way the book ends. Oh, that's the end of the, the, fin- the final line in this book. And so the Trojans buried Hector, breaker of horses. That's the final story of the... That's the final line in the entire poem. Wow. It's not Achilles. It starts with Achilles. Rage. Goddess, sing the rage of Peleus' son Achilles, murdered, doomed, that cost the Achaeans countless losses, hurling down to the house of death so many sturdy souls, great fighters' souls, and it ends with this greatest fighter of all, Hector. Huh. Yeah. That's kind of cool. It is cool. It's, it's one of those things where you go, oh, it's going to be all about Achilles. The last line, of course, will be about his death. It's not. It's about Hector. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, th- this scene—it's—it's it, it's oh chilling. Talk about the feels. You get the feels from this scene. And I love the fact that they do have this gentleman's agreement—the twelve days. You know, which Agamemnon's pissed about. Oh, he—he he, he goes. He says because because militarily the best time to attack would have been right when Hector died. And the, I will say, the, the Trojans would have been demoralized. I'll say this about Brian Cox: the guy's a great actor, but there were moments when he was delivering lines, and I was like, "Is that Stryker from X Men?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was half expecting him at one point where somebody talks back to him and I'm expecting him to say, don't talk back to me, boy. I was doing black ops missions in Vietnam on your, on your mama's city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's so good in this movie, the way that he delivers every single line. And we talked about it earlier that all these lines are delivered very well. And when you have this moment between Peter O'Toole and Brad Pitt, you can just tell Peter O'Toole's on another level. Oh my goodness. Yes. He is so good. He is. Am- I mean, you, you, you listen to him beg for the life of his or the body of his son just to bring it back. Yeah. And, you know, this movie makes you feel emotions. You cannot say a movie is not a good movie when it makes you feel something. Yeah. When Agamemnon hears of Achilles' secret treaty with Priam, he becomes incensed. <laughs> but Odysseus, who notices the sculpture of a horse a fellow soldier has made for his son, proposes a plan, putting the 12 days of mourning to their advantage. Dun, now, dun, dun. Before this, Achilles should have died. Yeah. Because Odysseus doesn't get that until Achilles dies. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. After 12 days, the Trojans discover that the beach has been abandoned and various bodies lie in the sand. They appear to have been taken by disease, and where the heart of the camp once was, a large wooden horse has been erected. Upon seeing this, Priam is advised that the horse was left as a gift to the god Poseidon and is encouraged to bring it back to Troy. Paris, who is suspicious, urges his father to burn the horse. But Priam brings his horse into the city because of fanaticism, where it's revered as a sign of the end of the war. 
So you got Paris, who started this whole thing, has the one idea that could save, that could the save city everybody. Of Troy. I think it's great. A Trojan scout hiking through the cliffs outside the city comes upon a cove apart from the main beach and discovers the Greek armada hiding there. Awesome. Which, great scene, but seriously, only one person saw thousands of ships still in the sea. Anywho. However, he is killed by an arrow before he can warn the rest of Troy. couple arrows. They go, choo-choo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's done. Meanwhile, the whole city celebrates into the night. Once everything is quieted down, the horse opens, and Achilles, Odysseus, and a mass of Greek soldiers emerge from the inside and open Troy's gates, where the rest of the Greek army has gathered. They quickly infiltrate the city, pillaging and burning homes and killing any Trojan who stands in their way, while a tearful Priam can only watch. Soldiers of Troy attempt to defend the royal palace, but fall. As Priam prays before the statue of Apollo and asks why he's been forsaken, Agamemnon comes up behind him and stabs him in the back. Mm -hmm. So appropriate. Yep. So appropriate. Achilles, meanwhile, searches the city for Briseis. Yes. He's he's in it for himself now. He's like, oh, yeah. I don't care about this. I want my woman. I'm and getting I'm, out of here. I'm getting out. Paris and Adramanch lead surviving civilians down to the secret passage where Paris gives a young boy, Aeneas, a progenitor of the Romans, the sword of Troy, mm -hmm. reciting, that his reciting what his father had told him about the sword. He then returns with his bow and arrow to help the fight. Briseis is praying before a statue of Apollo when she is grabbed from behind by Agamemnon. Achilles sees this and runs to her aid. In in what a great uh, it's a great display of how fast Achilles is when they show this scene. Oh yeah, and how agile he is as he's trying to get there, and how much ground he covers. All all of that. Yeah. Agamemnon tells Briseis his intent to take her back to Greece, to Greece as his slave before she takes a concealed knife and fatally stabs him in the neck. His guards accost her, but Achilles kills them. As he is helping her up, Paris arrives and shoots an arrow through Achilles' heel. Dun, dun, dun. Now, now a little bit about that. Uh, Agamemnon doesn't die by Briseis' hand in the book. Okay. He dies uh, much later on. Uh, I, some have claimed that he kills himself. Uh, some have claimed he was killed by his own son. Oh, okay. Uh, but Either way, he's an asshole that God has, has come up into the end. Movie-wise, you needed Briseis to do something. Otherwise, she is just a damsel. And no, that's that's why this is a good movie to me because it does what you need to do yeah. to make it a good movie. It it's follows through on every character's arc. It's a good storytelling device. Yeah, standing up to face Paris, despite Perseus's cries, Achilles is shot again through the chest. He removes the arrow, only to be shot again and again and again, each time removing the arrow. He it's finally so cool. collapses and tells Perseus that she was his peace in a lifetime of war and urges her to escape. Briseis goes with Paris, and they leave as the Greeks arrive at the palace to find Achilles dead, seemingly taken by a single shot to the heel, thus perpetuating the myth surrounding his death, despite the fact that he pulled all the other ones out. And that's what I think. I, I like that scene because that's how I see certain things uh, perceived back then, is they were like, well, all these other ones are around him. It was that one that killed him. Yep. You know, and that's how it gets passed down, is that it was, he, was a kill, he was killed by an arrow to his Achilles. Yep. Uh, it's also just a great scene in seeing the tragedy. Like, these people could have a happy life, but because of little things. Yeah. Just little things, they don't. Yeah. Although Achilles' death is not mentioned in the Iliad, according to the Odyssey, he died well before Troy well fell. Okay. So. Achilles' body is burned honorably on a funeral pyre within the ruins of Troy. The following day, as Odysseus watches and exults, 
If they ever tell my story, let them say I walked with giants. Men rise and fall like the winter wheat, but these names will never die. Let them say I lived in the time of Hector, tamer of horses. Let them say I lived in the time of Achilles. Which is an interesting flip from what you just said from the book. Yep. Because it almost feels like, let them say I lived in the time of Achilles. Let, let them, them say, say I, I lived in the time, in the time of Hector. Hector, tamer of horses. And that should have been the end yeah. if they'd have followed the book. But I think what they did here was... But that Achilles was the main person in the movie, so I get the flip. He's the one going through the biggest arc. He's also the one that has the taller pyre than Agamemnon. Yes, he does. Like, almost double the size. Yep. <laughs> Little F you. So, what did you think after watching the movie? Okay. When, okay. When I first saw this movie in the theater, I thought, holy shit, this was long. <laughs> <laughs> Every, but I also thought, this is a fantastic movie. I have to have it on my shelf because I love how it looks. It's the best representation of what I perceived Troy to look like. Uh, it's, I, I couldn't have picked a better Achilles in my mind. I don't think. Back then, I would pick anybody else other than Brad Pitt to play that spot because he played it so well. Yeah, he did fantastic. Every actor was amazing in it. Uh, I, I I love this movie the more I watch it. And I agree. When I first saw this, I was like, oh, man, this was so historically inaccurate. Yeah. But I was saying something about something I didn't know a whole lot about. Like, throughout, you know the story. I've never read the Iliad. And so you're kind of the historical reference for this one. But the more I watch it, I love it because it's a good movie. It really is. Take the history away. If you, like, and it's why I said what I said at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Just watch this as a movie and the story unto itself. It, yeah. Its own thing. And it's so good. So when I say, what do I think after watching the movie? I love it. Yeah. There's so many parts that I continually enjoy, and there are so many one-liners that I use when I teach certain things. It surprises I, you how many you, because there's so much. When you watch the movie, you go, oh my gosh, that's a great philosophical line. Yes. And there's so many times, like, it's been so long since I saw this, so when I watched it this time, mm -hmm. and I'm like, that's why I say that in class. I didn't realize subconsciously I got that from this movie and things like that. Yeah. So I just love it. Uh, so what worked well? Okay. Worked well. I, I think as much as they spent on this movie, I think you can see where it was spent because it's spent on not the costuming, maybe. The actors. It's been on the actors and it's spent on the environments. Okay, yeah. Because you, you that's not a CGI horse. That's no. not a CGI town for the most part that you see. Yeah. Maybe when they do full shots and you see that probably They is. built some ships. There's a couple yeah. shots where, yeah, you can clearly tell it's CGI. But the ones up close on the beach, those are real legit ships. Yeah, this was not squandering of cash like Waterworld. No, it was not. Um, I also think that they also got, you know... It, they picked actors that if they didn't, you can tell there may have been moments when the actor was like, I can't read this line. I've got a better line that might work. Yes. Uh, Which you, ties into what I was going to say works well. Oh, okay. What do you, what do you think? The script and the actors, mm -hmm. the actual lines and the delivery and the people they chose to play. Like I cannot complain about a single actor, the way they create they the way they played their character yeah. or how they talked or how they acted. Everything was done Really well, in my opinion, mm -hmm. like really well, yeah. and so it's just it's a good, entertaining movie. So my two things that worked really well are the actors, the delivery of their lines, and the script. Yeah. So three things, I guess. All right, things that didn't work. Uh, I mean, we can talk about its abandonment from this yeah, source material, we, we but can, they we, still made it work. We can pick on the history, but my own argument says don't watch this as a history movie. The things that didn't work are the little picky things, like the llamas. That bugged me. Yeah. Um, Does it hit the, the nitpicky quotient, though? Where yeah, it's like, that's it, the it, thing. It finally it, hits when, so much. When I, when I have to, if, if I have to come up with things that didn't work, they are nitpicky. Yeah. 
Like, if you're just watching the scene, you may not catch that they're llamas. And how many people know that llamas only come from Peru? I didn't know that until you said it. uh, That's the only place they come from is is South America. Um, The clothing bugged me a little bit. Okay. Because it didn't feel Greek. It felt Roman. Oh, I got it you. felt very Roman to me. But yeah. the Romans are based on... I, I understand. They all stole from each other. Yeah, I know. But not um, that much. <laughs> and some of the tactics... Okay. And then again, this is me being really, really super picky. No, no, but... It's- some of the battle tactics, I'm like, they didn't use the phalanx enough. They showed it once. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. They would have not fought as a rabble. Like, they made it seem like it's all these men fighting individually and it's just a mass of people. When Achilles is shouting, stick to your lines, there are battle tactics they would have used. They would have fought with their spears until they couldn't fight with their spears anymore, and then they would have gone to the sword. This this was a movie that wanted to make the sword the more important weapon. Historically, the spear is what they would have used. They would have put that shield up and fought people at bay. We were sort of making the joke... Mm-hmm. About Paris using uh, arrows, arrows and stuff. That's what they did with the spear. Yeah. They wanted to kill as many people as possible, but protect everybody else in this line of shields. Do you? And think so the, that's that's me being nitpicky. But but it's a good nitpick. I mean, that, yeah. That's the thing. These are things. I think this movie suffered from something. Too many heroes. They needed the heroes to be central in the fight, and you can't do that with a spear fight. You have to have a sword battle if you want the, the heroes close. I get it. I was going to say, you just had three movies in Lord of the Rings, which did a whole bunch of just people fighting like in mass amounts. Yeah, that's true. And so you got to capitalize on that, because if you go back to it, if you, you saw those three epic movies right there. That's and true. And then you go into this one, and it's just everybody in lines going across. It could look boring to your average user at that point. You're right. It doesn't look entertaining, which that is why said, I say it's nitpicky. But that being said, you're right to say, you know, listen, this is not how it would have been. But Agamemnon at that time, when he orders them to go, he's pissed with revenge. He's not thinking clearly. No, so it works. Yeah. I guess. But you're right. It's something that they would have paid more attention to back then, I think. And, and my beef isn't so much with the Agamemnon fight when they go up against the walls. It's the first day at the beach. Yeah. When he lands, the Myrmidons, they do the shield and then they break off. Mm-hmm. No. Well, they break off because Achilles is like, I'm going to do this all myself. Again, so that leads to, and that works for the story that they're trying to tell. So that's why I'm saying it's nitpicky. Don't they sack Apollo's temple before they even land? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, they're they're still in the water trying to get there, and Achilles is already conquered. Well, Ajax has landed. I think like two or three ships have landed. Okay. Uh, So, so who's the audience for this movie? Oh, wait, you didn't tell me what you thought didn't work. So, what do you think doesn't work? I think. and this is going to sound bad because I've re- I've talked about how great he's been with his lines, but I think there are times when Brian Cox delivered a line and it he, was cheesy. It wasn't cheesy, but it came off almost too modern in the way that it's spoken. Yes, because again, there were moments when, like- I, when I was here, sitting there and I'd hear General Stryker from X Men. Okay, yeah, and you shouldn't hear someone speaking like that. In 7 BC. Because it makes you feel like, so all of, you play all of your characters with the same voice. Yeah. Other, and, I mean, other things are nitpicky, you know, yeah. nit, like putting coins on the ice. They didn't have coins in 7 BC. No. Uh, it, it, and uh, they wouldn't put them in the eyes, they put them in the mouth. They, they, yeah. It's little, little things like that, but they don't hit the nitpicky quotient where now we can start to take away points on this thing. No, I there's agree. a there's a pile that you can have, and then once it gets to that certain level, it's like okay, fuck you. You, you, too many leaps of faith. Yeah, uh, they did. It, and one of the things you and I talked about with other movies is that sometimes when writers write themselves into a corner, they don't know where else to go. These this writer, this writing crew, this director did a great job of 
uh, writing themselves into a corner, but knowing where they're going to go from that point. And so you saw the, the the plot never hit a standstill. It was always shit. What's going to happen now? Shit. What's going to happen now? Shit. What's going to happen now? Yeah, and you constantly want to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that that's what I think about that. Uh, things that didn't work. There weren't very few things, but then again, I and I love this movie. Uh, I am the audience for this movie. I know that. I am too. The audience for this movie is people who like epics. Epics. If you like epics, yeah. this is a must see. Whether it's historical or fantastical. Yeah, you know, and I put, and I, and I put I would, this in the epic fantasy because I, it's myth- mythology. It is. I would also say this is fantasy. This is not a history film. It also doesn't try to be a history film. Right. But this is a fantastic epic war movie. Yeah, it is. And so if you like epics, you have to see this. Mm-hmm. So uh, movie report card. <sighs> I have a B, but I'm almost, as I've been talking about this, I part of me wonders if I need to move it up to an A-. minus. I have it as an A. Yeah. I, as an epic movie uh, that's in the fantasy genre, it's, listen, I'll put up in that spot a Lord of the Rings movie. That belongs in that epic fantasy A range. It's in the Pantheon. It has to be. And see, that's the thing. I think Troy needs to be in the Pantheon, so I got to move it to an A, too. It represents Greek mythology better than most films have without using the gods, which is a very difficult thing to do. How yeah. do you do Greek mythology without the gods? Well, you insert a character like Achilles, who some could be perceiving as a god, and is half god, half not. We yeah. don't know. Again, they tried to ground the whole thing in reality, and maybe they're just saying, if they hadn't put the Thetis scene in there, yeah, it would be one more leap of faith for people to think going, well, they say he's a god. Maybe it's just because he's just so good. Yeah. And that's how they see it. You know, so and that would have taken a more realistic tone, yeah. So I'm giving this an A. Yeah, I I'll give it I'll give it an A too because mainly it needs to be in the pantheon. It's yeah, it, it should be in our pantheon in so. that genre. It be- yes. it belongs in there. And if we put it in the t- you know, top movies of all time, it's not there. No, it's not. But in that genre, in epic fantasy, it is an epic film, and it is. It's an epic film for our generation. Yes, it's and I think it is one of the best, if not the best, epic, uh, fantasy film. Uh, outside of maybe Lord of the Rings, I think so too. And in, in, in the, I think Lord of the Rings is the only thing that's better than this. the post two thousand, yeah, movies. This is right up there. Yep. So yeah. Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod, and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and SoundJ Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching.